You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Again, friends, uh, I've got a couple of things to start that are not easy, um, but today is the day we share them. Uh, I was 25 years old when I was corrected for saying holy cow, because cows aren't holy, only God is holy. I was 35 years old when the little comments about my ripped jeans, my holy pants, as it were, revealed themselves to be much more. Some of the people that I attended Sunday morning worship with took issues with the way I dressed at church. I was a young mother of two small children when I was told that I should not allow the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus to come to my house because they did not represent the intention of the seasons. And I was today years old when I share these tender spots publicly because we are talking about one of the most unrealistic statements in the totality of scripture. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. There are a handful of statements in the Bible that I hear or read, and I think to myself, that is hilarious. Hilarious, not because of the content or the context, but because there's absolutely no flipping way that I could ever do what those statements are asking of me to do. Two of them happen to be in today's scripture reading. The first, you you shall be holy as God is holy. And the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Many of us associate that phrase with the teachings of Jesus, which is understandable. It was found in today's reading in Matthew Some iteration of love your neighbor as yourself is found in several places in the gospel and throughout the epistles, the letters of the New Testament. Well, here's another little statement that makes me go, okay, sure. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That is Jesus speaking to his friends and to those of us who years and years and years later would come along and follow his teachings too. It was hard enough to conceptualize loving people like I love myself. Now I have to love them like Jesus loves me. Cool. And wait, I also have to be holy like God is holy. I'm gonna be honest, you guys, it is not looking good for me in this moment right now. Today, we are standing before two very different roads. The first of the roads is the road of absolutes. We are to be holy as God is holy. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to love others like Jesus loves us. And there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. God said it. We believe it. End of discussion. There is also a second road, a road that's perhaps a little more treacherous, a little less traveled, but it is a very good and very beautiful road. This road still honors the principles of scripture, but it does so in a different way. 
a more gentle way. There is more space and time when you walk this road. There's more creativity to consider words like holy and love and neighbor. You have to duck under branches that want to smack you in the face with certainty. And at times, the ground might seem to fall away. And still, it is a very good, very beautiful road. So let's take, down, take a peek down each road together. The first road I am terming the holy cow road. Holiness is what you do, or rather it is what you don't do, right? It is a if this, then that kind of road, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. It is religion that makes sense and that can make you feel accomplished. Holiness on the holy cow road means that you just don't watch PG-13 movies and you read your Bible every single day, preferably at the same time. You pray for forgiveness every single time you mess up and honestly, even better if you could just not mess up at all. That would be great. Your actions plus your lack of actions equals holiness. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Clean, simple, effective, tiring, stressful, never ending, never enough. Road number one. Actions plus inactions, a road built on the back of the things you will and will not do. Road number one is really, really appealing when we're feeling scared. It looks really simple and really straightforward. It looks like an easy hike. And if you're like me and you like to say that you go hiking, but really you just like to walk outside, (laughs) this is the road for you. But what happens when you hit a divot? What happens when, and please forgive the very triggering language, you stumble? What then? You look up and this beautiful light airy canopy that had been providing some shade now looks dark and almost menacing. You realize that the only way for you to continue on this road is to live under the oppression of an isolating canopy. Because if your actions plus your inactions equals your holiness, then that balance is upset when other factors come into the equation. Like when you don't love others like Jesus loves you. Like when you hold a grudge or you have hate in your heart or you show preference to the great or you do any of the other things that were listed in our text. Road one started out so straightforward, so manageable. All I had to do was turn off Grey's Anatomy, start watching the Bible project instead. But season three has McSteamy. And I'm not so sure that the solution is animated videos about the lineage of Christ. Road one felt perfect. 
But then again, for a while, I felt perfect. When my imperfections started showing through, the cracks in the road got wider and wider. The canopy became more and more heavy, and the isolation was more and more unbearable. And then there's road two. Road two, treacherous as it may be, wide and meandering, not really sure where it's headed. There are dead ends, felled trees, and very little help finding your bearings. It is complicated, and it is ridiculous. It requires you to ponder riddles that have no answers. It can feel liberating and suffocating at the same time. There are stops along the way where you can rest after feeling massively disoriented. And when you look up, though they may be beautiful, the stars are never in the same place. Road two requires you to take your time, to pause, to learn new and hard things, to unlearn that which you have held to be unequivocally true. Road two has enough room for mistakes. Road two is not practical. It is not clean, but it is wise. Road two invites us to look at our journey and at God with a fresh perspective that would cause road one's canopy to tighten and to darken. The way we approach a text that feels suffocating can be more instructive than the actual text. The road that we choose to walk will either give us certainty or it will give us permission. But it is rare for those two things to coexist. For a long, long time, road one was my only option. I overcompensated for not having a Christian background by studying more scripture, praying more, watching more sermons, reading more popular Christian authors, and participating in more Bible studies so that I could have certainty. I even had a prayer closet. I tried to heed the voices in my life who were chiding me for my holiday decorations, for my naivete, for my loud and unsubmissive nature, for being unruly, for not finding myself in or losing myself to motherhood, for wanting to be a pastor. I had women in my life who supported the idea of women in ministry as long as it didn't take away from their primary duty as wife and mother. I could somehow be in full-time vocational ministry as long as I also was somehow a full-time stay-at-home parent, as long as the canopy that I walked on road one didn't close in, I was welcome to stay up until two in the morning and get up at six so that I could serve the Lord in the wee hours and be there for my family and be holy as God is holy because that is the type of holiness that this first road offers. And then I discovered road two. And I came to it broken and tired 
burnt out and disillusioned and utterly faithless. I slowly, though unintentionally, alienated people who I thought cared about me because it turns out that my actions plus my lack of actions did not match their definition of my holiness. I loved them, my neighbors, the very best way I knew how, which was to share the questions, the nagging doubts that kept me up at night. If God is loving, why have so many died in God's name? If God is gracious, why does or does hell exist? If my prayers matter, why would I be in such a dark spot without the hope of the certainty ever returning? And maybe you have been there. Maybe you read the words, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy and your mind goes to the places in your life where holiness would dare not enter. And you live with the fear of being found out under the deep, dark, suffocating, entangling canopy of performative holiness. Maybe you've been taught that your sexual orientation or gender identity is somehow less than. And as long as you just keep that a secret, you can stay on that first road Maybe you love Grey's Anatomy. Maybe you, like me, have felt the oppressive pressure of performative religion that abstains from the world while simultaneously feeling a longing for some sort of transcendent divine love that would invite you into the world so that you can show it something more true and lovely and gentle and kind than any of us would even dare to imagine. So here's what road two says to me. Perhaps it will say something similar to you today. God's holiness is accessible because it is rooted in care for one another. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great with justice. You shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand idly by when the blood of your neighbor is at stake. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart anyone of your kin. You shall not reprove, you shall reprove your neighbor or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This isn't about Grey's Anatomy. This isn't about Beth Moore Bible studies because God's holiness is about justice, justness. God's holiness is invitational and relational. It's interconnected with our kin, with the whole of humanity. Holiness is about equity. It is about love. It is about speaking up when someone in your circle is dealing in the realm of ignorance or intolerance. God's holiness, our holiness, 
is located at the intersection of intention and action, inside and outside. Our hearts and our minds and our mouths working together for a more ubiquitously good existence. Holiness is not a do. It is a be. My dear friends, be holy like God. Love others like we love ourselves. Love our neighbors. Love others like we are loved. This is not some sort of twisted cosmic to-do list, some way of proving our worth before a God who doesn't ask us to do that. This is a prescription for the kind of society, the kind of kingdom that reflects the flourishing of all. Freed from the toxicity of behavior management, sin management that often accompanies road one. We can take space to question and to shape and to hear to seek out that which yields both intangible and tangible holiness. Holiness that is rooted in God's clarification given in our text. UBC, may we take the mandates of scripture and give them the space that our second road affords us. May we creatively reimagine the wholeness that God's vision of holiness offers. And may we leave behind the suffocation of underdeveloped definitions of holiness, that which has left us isolated and heavy laden. Amen. It is a beautiful practice that we now get to take some space in silence, allow the spirit to speak something new, correct something I have said incorrectly, to remind us that we are connected with the divine and with one another.